Bad. Guy. Loves. Cake. Who is your daddy? Who is your daddy? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And now it's time for Fat Guy Loves Cake. With your host, Joey Valentine. That miserable little bag of puke. Me? Miserable little bag of puke? I don't think so. Welcome to Fat Guy Loves Cake. I am Joey Valentine. It is September the 12th, 2022. Hope everybody had a wonderful weekend. We got football kicked off. I know it technically kicked off on Thursday, but football season does not start for me until either the Texans or the Cowboys have played, and they both did today. We will get to that later. I am going to talk a lot about football, uh, not in a boring way, so women, please do not turn the show off thinking I'm going to do some boring shit. We are going to have a football show nonetheless, so put your jock strap on and get ready, because I will get to that in a little while. I, of course, do not need to get into uh, great detail about what this weekend was, and that was obviously 9-11, and we all know what happened, and we all know it was terrible, so I don't want to... Uh, make light of it, and I don't want to forget that it happened either, so I just want to say uh, my condolences to all of the uh, surviving and uh, grieving, still grieving people that were involved in that horrible, horrible tragedy in America. And thank you to all first responders for the jobs you do and continue to do, despite everyone in America seeming to think that being ugly to the police is the answer to everything. That being said, I wanted to talk to you guys about HBO. Now, you may or may not have uh, listened to the last episode and wondered, why is he doing a commercial about HBO and talking all about dicks, penis, cock, and stuff like that? And I wanted to elaborate if you didn't get the joke. I don't know how many people actually subscribe to HBO, so like, I don't know what percentage of people I know follow HBO. I know Game of Thrones really drew in a crowd that probably wasn't there before. I've been huge on HBO back since I was a child. They've been like the gold standard for original programming on premium channels. So anything HBO does has a lot of money behind it and always the most fantastic actors. If you haven't seen shows like The Sopranos or Six Feet Under or even if you're into shit like Sex in the City, I'm sure it was well done. I will not give it my time, but I'm sure that it was well done and there's a reason why it was on for so long. And Oz was one of the first shows that I really got into. Oz was about uh, prison. And it was not for the squeamish. Uh, and uh, it has uh, J.K. Simmons in it as a Nazi leader. And he is uh, he does a lot of butt raping. And uh, there's a lot of gratuitous man sex. And there is a lot of um, penis. Just, you know, for funsies. There's a lot of penis on the show. <laughs> it's not like they ever come full circle to like, Oh, that's why they keep showing so much dick. No, there's just dick. You know, I understand, like, okay, we're going to make a show. It's about prison, so there's going to be lots of naked dudes. But I, I can't imagine that in all the time you're locked up, there's just dicks all the fucking time. And Oz really was the <laughs> trendsetter for HBO. Because Oz came out a long time ago. It came out in, like, the 90s, I think. And I didn't want... I, like, I'd seen episodes when I was younger... But I didn't actually watch the entire series until maybe like five years ago. Now, mind you, I have already watched a lot of HBO at this point, okay? And I always thought, man, they show a lot of dicks. Like, there's no vaginas on HBO. 
Occasionally there's tits, you know, and there's a lot of sex scenes. Like the ratio of dicks to vaginas is so polar opposite. Like it's not even fucking close. In fact, I can't even name one time I've ever even seen like bush on a woman in a show. But no, it's it's like the penis is the star of the show. And I noticed it when I was watching Rome. Rome was a, a short-lived two-season, very big-budgeted show on HBO. And it was just like cocks all the time. Now, I never watched Game of Thrones. I saw a couple of episodes, but I remember, you know, this being the most recent show that HBO was really popular with. I remember all my friends were like, Jesus, man. It's like every show, it's just like dicks. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's, you know, that's HBO. That's how they roll. But Oz, like you'd just be sitting there. I distinctly remember an episode where J.K. Simmons and his, uh, you know, I don't want to say roommate, his cellmate, you know, they're sitting there. And uh, they're talking, you know, and the cellmate is on the toilet and it, they're talking and it's just shots of their faces, you know, one, back to one, back to the other. And then, so the guy's done crapping on the toilet and he stands up and the camera, which was in his face, doesn't move and he stands up and now it's full frontal nudity of a man. The camera doesn't like pan away or slowly dissolve into a new shot or pan up to the man's face who just stood up on the toilet. It holds there for an uncomfortably long time. And <laughs> you're like, yep, that's a penis. We get it. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, who was that for? If there was a shower scene, a guy's going to get knifed or something. You expect to see dicks or butt cheeks or whatever. It's a shower scene. Of course, there's going to be male nudity. You almost would feel weird if there wasn't. But the way the dicks show up in Oz is just so unnecessary. And I feel like HBO has some sort of dick quota that every show must meet or they won't produce it. And it's not even like a gay thing. It's not like, it's never a gay thing. It's usually actually a hetero thing. But they always concentrate on the penis. I know, and like, see how much I'm talking about it? Like, imagine how much HBO must spend, how much time must be spent in a boardroom talking about the amount of dong they show. And I can only think, like, these shows must have come off originally as so much less penisy when they were pitched to HBO. I mean, could you imagine the boardroom? The guy goes in there. Now, a show like Game of Thrones, I get it. It's fantasy, and people want nudity, and they probably think a lot of chicks are watching. I don't know if chicks get, you know, excited about seeing dudes, dongs. I know they don't like dick pics. So I can't imagine that women would tune into Game of Thrones and be like, oh, I sure hope I get some wiener tonight. Maybe they do, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I can't imagine that they'd want to break from the storyline where a percentage of it is lost to fucking full male frontal nudity. Imagine... You know, like a guy goes into HBO and HBO doesn't do anything that's not like balls out 100% adult. They do one or the other, okay? They do fucking very adult or they do very children's. And their children's programming is fantastic. You know, they did Babar and like I grew up on Fraggle Rock. It was very, very wholesome. You can't touch that shit. It was children's programming. So they're very, like I said, they're very good at what they do, but they're like an addict, you know? There's no, like, medium. You can't just have one or two beers. No, they got to drink the whole case. So I imagine someone walks into their offices at HBO, and they try and pitch. Like, let's say that I pitch a show. I go into the boardroom meeting. I say, okay, so here's the deal, HBO. I've got this show 
that I wanted to pitch, you know, and uh, basically it addresses the issue of uh, kids and uh, problems with literacy and uh, how education is not really being done well enough and our teachers could do more and our tax dollars could go more towards educating children so they're more prepared for the future. You've got your bad teachers and you've got the one good teacher who's like really trying to change things. You know, kind of like a lean on me type situation or a, a or you know, a Jaime Escalante type thing. You know, it's just something that really, you know, it's a drama. It really hits home. And, you know, and then the guy, you know, sitting across, there's like a, there's like a man and a woman in a pantsuit. And, and then, you know, he's like, that sounds fantastic, Mr. Valentine. Uh, now, I just have one question, and that is, where in the show could you see us putting a lot of dick? I'd say, I, I don't follow. Well, see, here at HBO, we like to put lots of penis into everything, and you're talking about a children's um, high school here, and I, I don't know if it's a real good idea. We kind of have a dick penis quota in our shows here. So maybe I was thinking you could throw like maybe a phys ed teacher in there and um, he likes to walk around after hours in the locker room, butt naked, do a lot of close-ups of his wang, you know, that kind of thing. Stuff for the ladies. Uh, this show is, you're heading in the wrong direction there. See, like, I don't, I don't want any nudity. I don't even want any sex in there at all. And, you know, I want, well, hear me out now, Mr. Valentine. Now, I don't know if you know about the fine programming here at HBO, but we like a lot of penis. And I'm afraid if you can't put at least five to six dongs per episode into your show, if you can't work that in there, then I don't know if you can do business with HBO, okay? They'll be like, okay, fine. Uh, I guess for some reason, once school lets out at the end of the day, the teachers all get together in the teacher's lounge, and they get naked from the waist down, and they just stand there and talk to each other with their dicks out. Does that sound good? Capital idea, Mr. Valentine. Capital idea. I think we can do business. And, you know, by the time it gets written and everyone's been cast for the show, it's gone through, like, so many fucking changes that it becomes not even about what I originally wrote. It's not about a classroom of kids struggling to be literate. It's not about the struggles of school, the struggles of education in America. It becomes about like a pervy phys ed teacher who can't stop whacking off in the fucking locker room or something. It stars Johnny Butt stuff. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. I just couldn't. So that's my thing. I really got uh, like I lost on the uh, the HBO thing there, didn't I? All right, no problem. All right. Well, that's okay because we're gonna move on to football here in a second. This is Lafayette from Nerds Talking the podcast. And you are listening to Joey Valentine on Fat Guy Loves Cake. Please stick it in my tight little ass. Okay, so let's talk football. I said I was going to talk football. We kicked things off today with the Houston Texans against the Indianapolis Colts. And that game ended in a fabulous, heart-pounding, ass-pumping fucking tie. The thing I hate most in sports. A tie. The fucking participation trophy of the NFL. Nobody wants to see a fucking tie. See, in a real game, like hockey, there's no such thing. In fact, they play till someone wins. There's no fucking ties. Ties are for soccer players and little kids. 
I got to give it to Houston. They held on for a really long time. They had a lead, then they gave up the lead, and then they went in overtime. They went into double overtime, and they held on, and they got their tie. And as a Houston Texans fan, that's all you can really ask for. I mean, this is like winning the Super Bowl, you know, tying the Colts at home. I don't really know what kind of team Houston has this year, and I'm so fed up with the management of that team, so I don't even really watch them anymore. So let's move on to what's currently happening right now, and that is the Cowboys are playing the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I turned the game off so I could record the show, not because it was time for me to record the show, but because I was so fucking sick of watching how awful they're playing against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think there's like three minutes left in the fourth quarter, and Dallas has still not scored a touchdown, and that is absolutely sickening. And yes, fat guy loves cake fans. I am a Cowboys fan. I'm sorry. Don't hold it against me. Do not judge my show because of it. And let me tell you why I'm a Cowboys fan, okay? My whole life growing up in Houston, I went to see the Houston Oilers play at the Astrodome. My parents were season ticket holders, and they dragged me to every game, even though I really wasn't into football. But as I got older, I started to appreciate it. And I loved watching Warren Moon play, and I loved seeing the Oilers always be in competition. But they just couldn't ever fucking pull it off. But this was a city that was very, very devoted to its football team, and then they up and they left. They went to Tennessee, they became the Tennessee Titans, and then eventually Houston, for some reason, got another football team, which makes no fucking sense. Why did the Oilers ever leave in the first place if you were just going to bring a football team back to the fucking city? I tried to be a Texans fan. I have tried and tried again, over and over. But I can't do it because they're fucking terrible, and no one ever seems to really give a shit if they ever have a winning season. They've never, ever been in contention. I gotta imagine it's like being a fucking fan of the Bengals or the Browns or the Bills. Actually, no, being a fan of those teams would be better because they go to the playoffs. Every fucking year with the Texans, it's like, okay, and here's the kickoff and the season's over. Well, I just can't get into that. I get very invested in my sports, and if the Texans aren't going to win, then I'm not going to take time out of my life to watch them. And let me tell you, what I was getting to is how I became a Cowboys fan. When the Oilers left Houston, I didn't have any football to watch. And I had just moved to Dallas, so I became a Cowboys fan. And for many years, being a very proud Texan, it's the only football I had. You know, it wasn't like my... Uh, my other friends, the fucking posers who all latched onto teams of cities they've never even been to. I got a friend who's obsessed with the 49ers. A.A. Ron thinks the fucking fighting Irish are the tits. I don't know why. I don't think he's Irish, and he's never been to college. So I don't know what the fuck he cares about Notre Dame for. But regardless, they haven't won since like 1964. So I do enjoy seeing them get squashed every year. So that's how I came to be a Cowboys fan, and I, I again, I tried. I tried to be a Texans fan, and uh, I wanted to tell you a story about the one and only game I've ever been to at the, uh, it was called the Reliant Stadium then. I believe it's called the NRG now. You know, whatever corporate entity is uh, pasting the, you know, the maxi pad, tampon stadium, the gentle breeze douche arena. I don't know. Um yeah, anyway, I think it's called NRG now, but I went to a game with my mom. This was, uh, I don't know, like 15 years ago. I just moved back to Houston from Dallas, and my mom had gotten tickets to go see the Texans play the Patriots, and I'd never been to see a Texans game, and I damn sure had never seen the Patriots play, and this was when they were starting to get really fucking good. So I thought, okay, first game of the season, and playing like the best team in the NFL, 
and I'm from Houston, and I have a reason to cheer. Well, if you've never been to a football game, it's so unique of an experience. See, like when you go to a hockey game, you would like 20,000 people, and they're all in the same mindset. No one's looking to fucking rumble. No one's looking to do any bullshit. Everyone's there to watch the hockey game and have a good time. Very, very rarely does anyone get out of order at a hockey game. You're there to see fights, not be in them. But when you go to a fucking football game and you have 60,000 people, it is so unique of an experience to see the drama unfold throughout the game. Like, you'll have, say, there's 50 people in your radius, okay? And every one of them has got something going on of their own. I don't know how to describe it. It's, It's almost like a thousand different sitcoms are happening at the same time, or dramas, however you want to picture it. But this is my experience, so let me, uh, let me just go ahead and tell you about this. I arrive at the stadium, and I immediately want to get a beer because I am not drunk yet. And I go and I order myself a beer in a plastic bottle that is actually very smart for the NFL to have done that. A plastic bottle of Budweiser cost me $16. And I am so happy that I had snuck liquor in. Because that is the one and only beer that I purchased that day. If anything, that was just something to hold in my hand. New England Patriots came in. Texans played a fucking fantastic game. I'll just say that. That's all I'm going to really talk about as far as the the game itself. But this is how it started off. There were a lot of fucking Patriots fans. And as people from Boston uh, are known to do, they were fucking annoying. They were loud. And they were obnoxious. And every time that the Patriots, it was, let's say like you're sitting in the seat, if you're from my point of view, okay? So think like diagonally to my right and down was a huge group of Patriots fans. Now this is in Texas. This is in football country. And these are a bunch of fucking drunk, loud, arrogant Bostonians. You know, they're not just cheering, they're being fucking condescending to everyone around them, disrespectful. And every time that the Patriots got a first down, they'd all stand up and they'd do this, uh, like, Nazi salute, except instead of their hand being flat, their hand would be sideways. And they'd go, another Patriots first down! And after a while, that kind of thing tends to grate on the nerves of the fans of the home team. And the fans, the fans, God bless them, they tried to do the the nice Texas thing at first. One of them actually went to one of the souvenir stands and bought a couple of Texans jerseys for them to wear. Like, honest to God, I mean, these things are probably like a hundred bucks. Everyone in the fucking stadium has a shitload of money, at least in the area we were in, the lower decks. And they went and bought a couple of Texas jerseys, and they were trying to get them to put them on. And, uh, you know, and then it was like, okay, well, they, they didn't fucking take to that. But uh, some of them were sitting directly in front of me at one point before all the rowdiness got started. Like, literally the row right where my feet are. And I guess they had made their way over to the other Patriots fans, and they weren't there anymore. Well, it didn't matter. Those weren't their seats. They never were their seats, I come to find out. What happened was, is there was this... Uh, white woman next to me. And when those guys got up from their seats, I guess she thought they were coming back. So she got up and she took her chili cheese nachos and her spoon and she put cheese and chili all over the seats. There was four empty seats there right in front of us. 
And I knew what she was doing, and I wasn't going to be like, hey, what are you doing? Don't do that, you know, because I love chaos, and uh, this was sure to bring it. And uh, sure enough, the actual ticket holders show up for those four seats. A lovely Hispanic couple who are fully decked out in their Texans gear, hats, shirts, wristbands, whatever, flags. So they stop because they see all the chili cheese on their seats, and dude's like, you know, que onda? And uh, this Mexican that was uh, in the same row, but not, you know, like next, right next to the chili cheese seats, he says something in Spanish uh, about pinche, you know, white woman, you know, basically, I don't know what exactly what he said, but it was obvious that he was telling him, hey, crazy white bitch up here, put cheese and chili all over your seats. And, uh, and she goes, I know what you said. I speak Spanish. And um, the man, the father figure of the uh, chili cheese seats, he, I don't know. I don't know how it started, but I think he did like a flex, you know, like he got kind of close to the woman and uh, he like, he did like the, like the pump, you know, like he like psych, like he's going to hit her, you know, he never was going to, he wasn't even close enough, but he did like that. And she fucking chucked her entire drink in his face, ice and booze or whatever. And then security showed up and uh, they uh, they escorted the white woman and her crew out. And I never saw them for the rest of the game. And that poor Mexican man had to come back and uh, with a whole stack of napkins and clean the chili cheese off. It felt so bad for him. And then meanwhile, the Patriots fans are getting fucking more and more annoying. And then, you know, a couple of fist fights break out. And I mean, there were so many things. I wish I, you know, if my memory would serve me better, I could have told you probably 10 different stories that all were not connected to each other whatsoever during this entire game. But it was a fantastic game. And it came down to a tie. And Patriots had the ball in overtime and they kicked for a field goal and they missed. And then the Texans got the ball back, and they took it down for the win, and they missed. And then the Patriots brought it back down for another field goal attempt for the win, and they fucking made it. And that was the end of that. I had such a great time. I'm sorry, Boston listeners, but I don't get it. I know that we talk funny here in Texas. I know that. Well, I don't, but, you know, most Texans do have a very peculiar accent. If you're not used to it, I think it's a very smooth Southern tone, but I remember the one and only time that I went to Boston, I had heard how Boston people talk and I thought, well, it's exaggerated because in Texas you have people that talk with a very clean voice like me, or you have people that talk very Southern or you have people that talk very, very redneck, but they're not a lot of them. You know, you'd have to actually go out into the rural, rural, rural I can't say the word rural, country and uh you know find them it's not like you you know you're walking around here in texas and everyone's like well howdy y'all good to see you (laughs) no dude it's a smooth comfortable accent if any at all and if you're in the city there is no accent but you go to fucking boston man i had heard from a friend that boston had that accent you know where they don't pronounce the r And I was like, well, it's probably not that prominent. You know, you don't go to New York City and everybody's like, fucking forget about it, fucking mooly, whatever. No, it's not. I mean, certain parts. Yeah, if you're in Brooklyn, forget about it. But that's more Jersey anyway. But I'm getting fucking completely sidetracked. If you go to Boston, everyone fucking talks like that. 
Like the first thing I heard, I show up and it's like, you gonna pack the cat here? You gonna pack the cat? Like fucking, I'm gonna, am I gonna what the what? Like fucking pronounce your R's, Boston. Such an awful accent. I'm sorry. No offense. You can say the Texan accent sounds funny and you don't like it. That's fine. I get it. It's not for everyone. But if everybody talked like Ben Affleck and Goodwill Hunting here in Texas, I'd fucking blow my brains out. <laughs> so yeah, I can't believe that this entire fucking Dallas Cowboys game was decided by the kickers. Uh, that is really pathetic when you have two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, Dak Prescott and Tom Brady, who at 45 is still some sort of god. I mean, no one ever plays quarterback until 45. In sports, that's the equivalent of being like 90. Hockey players don't even fucking make it to 40. Like, the best hockey players in the world usually retire at like 37, and their fucking legs barely work anymore. So for Tom Brady to get out there at 40 fucking five years old and to be able to take the amount of abuse that a football player must take, it doesn't matter how I feel about Tom Brady. That's very, very commendable. And props to you, brother. Whatever you're doing, whatever you've been doing, I want to get on that diet. I'd like the Tom Brady regimen. I'd imagine it's probably a strict diet of shit tons of money and pussy, but uh, I don't know. I don't know his personal life. Um, but yeah, this game was decided by the kickers. And uh, yeah, go kickers, go. Isn't the kicker like the one position in football that has like absolutely zero respect? You got to imagine these guys go all season long and the only time they get props. Look, everyone on the fucking team. All right. Every player for the most part on the team is like 300 pounds and black. And then every kicker is like a buck 50 and white and they're named Smith uh well Smith pretty much I guess that's what Dallas's kicker's name is Anger that's a dope ass fucking last name his last name is Anger but you got to think man you don't go as a 150 pound white man into the Dallas Cowboys locker room or any NFL locker room for that matter and get them like all fired up with your pep talks you know like come on guys <laughs> come on <laughs> Come on, Ezekiel, you got to get some fucking blocking going out there, man. Tyrone, what are you doing? What are you thinking? You got to catch the ball. They're like, kick this motherfucking crack his ass. <laughs> they got him fucking hanging from the ceiling by his jock strap from mouthing off one time. Like, I thought this motherfucker learned the last time. <laughs> Guys, I can't win the game by myself. I'm three for three on field goals. You've got to get it in the end zone at some point, okay? The whole season goes by, and he's like, fucking goes home. He's got a gun in his mouth. And he keeps, like, cocking it and then uncocking it. Like, I'll fucking do it. That'll show him. <laughs> I'll fucking do it. And he's like, okay, just one more game. <laughs> we'll stick it out till the end of the season. That's for a trade. I'll go play in Europe. And then, <laughs> and then finally his moment comes. The big day. The game is in overtime, and all he has to do is kick that fucking ball through the uprights. He'll finally get the respect of the majority black players that dwarf him in size. And he gets ready, laces out. He kicks it, it's up, it's up, 
and it's good. And finally, slap hands, give me a high five, slap hands. <laughs> Go back into the locker room, and he's like, all right, I'm part of the team now. And they're like, <laughs> they're like yeah, you cool. You missed the next one, we're going to fuck you up. <laughs> or let's say he did miss that field goal, and they do fuck him up. And so is the life of the kicker. <laughs> That would have been my position totally. Like if I like if I had been born with like this amazing leg, then like and every other part of my body was useless like it is now, I'd be like the one on the sideline with the gut smoking a cigarette. Be like, ah, let me go in and kick this fucking thing real quick. Go back to the bench, watching TV on my fucking phone. They're like, and you can see Young is on the sideline, and he's I guess he's reviewing plays. No, he's looking at porn. All right, I got to wrap this up. Uh, you guys stay safe out there and love one another. Hug your kids. Kiss your kitty cats. Kiss your stranger. Kiss your friends. Kiss your strangers. Kiss your fucking kiss whoever you want. I don't give a shit. I can't even talk now. Don't kiss. <laughs> don't kiss strangers. I'm done. That's it. I'll see you guys on Wednesday. Just a few more seconds. Oh, here I come.
Joe Name, Michael Diamond. No, mine's Clarence. From downtown Manhattan. From village. My style's wild and you know that it's still it. This no bag stepping and you're doing the bug. Shake your Panties.